from the corner of 16th and Peachtree Street, right next to the High Museum of Art in Midtown Atlanta. Welcome to the First Presbyterian Church. I'm Senior Pastor Tony Sundermeyer, and I want to thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. And I would invite you now to join us in the worship of God. Please turn with me and your few Bibles to Psalm 1, which is found on page 463 in the Old Testament. Listen to God's word. Happy are those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path of the sinner's tread, or sit in the seat of scoffers, but their delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law they meditate day and night. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in its season, and their leaves do not weather. In all that they do, they prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, break open your word afresh to us this day so that we would be different people than those who came into this sacred space this morning, even to be more like your son, Jesus the Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. To preach it or not to preach it. That's the question that many ministers ponder as they make their preparations for the second Sunday of May. Should I focus the theme of my sermon in its entirety on Mother's Day, or should I, perhaps I casually mention it as part of my sermon, or, or should I just say something at the beginning and wish everyone a happy Mother's Day where that wish applies? You know, the purest preacher, and there are some of those out there, the purest preacher will refuse the impulse to focus on or even mention Mother's Day. After all, they would argue, the purest preacher would say, Mother's Day is not a religious or a Christian celebration. It is, in fact, a secular holiday. It has nothing to do with worship, and it has nothing to do with the proclamation of the Word of God. And so they will ignore it entirely. On the other hand, there are preachers out there who may feel a bit overwhelmed and exhausted in the post-Easter and post-Lenten season, and they see Mother's Day coming and they rejoice because that sermon writes itself. <laughs> Talk about moms. Talk about what a gift they are. Say how wonderful they have been tell a few feel-good stories and lean into the sentimentality that often accompanies days like today, and the preacher will send everyone off to brunch happy. Of course, it is way more complex than that. For the preacher to frame this day as a choice between being a Scrooge bah humbug to Mother's Day. It doesn't belong in worship or being overly Pollyannish 
and preach a sermon that gives into a hybrid of religious and secular sentimentality. To see it in this way as sort of this either or, I think, misses the point of what's possible in an hour of worship like this one. Because I believe that regardless of what's happening inside here or outside there or where those two worlds meet, as is often the case, that we have opportunities to proclaim the gospel. Opportunities to talk about who God is and who we are called to be. I think we can move beyond. I think we can transcend the Scrooge sentimentality binary that many preachers sort of frame a day like today with. So to get there, I want to begin here by saying that on Mother's Day, for some in this sanctuary, to some streaming online, it is truly a wonderful day. It's a joy-filled day. It's a day when we celebrate or when we remember fondly the gift of our mothers. But for others, it is a day of mixed or even challenging emotions buttressed by hard truths. I have a friend who leads a Presbyterian congregation in Denver, Colorado. She was sharing a story about her first call out of seminary. And she was talking about uh, that first call and, and how everything was fresh. And that first Mother's Day came and she was charged with giving the children's moment. And so she called all the children down and she began her message in a very innocent way. She said, so today is, is Mother's Day, and I'm wondering, children, what you're going to do with or for your mom. One hand shot up. Uh, I'm going to give her a card that I made in school. Another hand shot up. Our family's going out to eat at my mom's favorite restaurant after church. Another child chimed in. We're going for a walk in the park. It's the thing my mom loves to do the most. My friend then saw a, a little boy. She didn't recognize him. He was sort of sitting on the far end of the chancel. He was holding his knees to his chest. And out of nowhere, she surprised herself and asked him, and what are you going to be doing for your mom or with your mom on Mother's Day? And the boy immediately said, nothing. My mom lives in another state, and she has a new family. When my friend told me this story last week when I saw her at this conference, I, I could feel the regret she still carried. But I also sensed how she has used this experience as a teaching moment to create a different awareness, to create a desire for a fuller, a more accurate understanding, which is part of what I think makes her such a good pastor such an excellent pastor today. On a day like today, there should be, I think, this same kind of awareness. I think there should be the same kind of understanding that perhaps will make us a more excellent church. Right? Because there are little boys and little girls whose mothers have started new families. There are mothers who have buried children. There are children who have had to bury mothers. There are children who will never know their biological uh, mother, and there are mothers who will never know their biological children. There are mothers estranged from their children, and there are children estranged from their mothers. There are mothers that never wanted to be mothers in the first place, and there are those who long and continue to hope for the day when they themselves can be a mother. Mother. 
And there are those who know the bonds between mother and child could be made stronger if we just make the investment or if we learn to forgive one another or finally let go of the grudge we have held onto for far too long. Friends, as the church of Jesus Christ, we do not turn our backs on such hard truths, nor do we turn our backs on the ones who have to carry them in the world. You see, the church at its best, the church is an excellent church. When it is honest and aware on days like today, when it is honest and aware of how our brothers and sisters might be meeting this very hour, that for some, we want to give thanks to God for the gift of our mothers and the ways in which they've brought God's blessing into our lives. But we're also well aware that there are folks in worship this morning who are praying, who are lamenting, who are grieving, who are hoping, who carry a heaviness and a burden because this day for them is so very difficult. It's interesting, one of the, the popular images for the church, one of the popular metaphors in Christian theology is the idea that the church is our mother. This language and this imagery has been used for, for generations. In fact, it became sort of popular in the first three centuries of the Christian church and, and continued even with the reformers. John Calvin, who was the architect of, of the reformed uh, theological life and reformed ecclesiology, he was fond of talking about the church as our mother. He, he wrote this, he said, uh, with the church into whose bosom the, the Lord is pleased to gather God's children, the church is our mother. Not only that they, these children, may be nourished by her help and ministry as long as they are infants and children, but also that they may be guided by her motherly care until they mature and at last reach the goal of faith. And he quotes the great patristic writer Cyprian when he says this, For those to whom God is father, the church may also be mother. For those whom God is father, the church may also be mother. And certainly in our day and age, we're not limited to pronouns that we could say that God is mother and the church is also father. But I, but I love this imagery of the church being our mother. Psalm 1, I think, adds another layer to this imagery. It's the opening psalm in the Psalter, and we're introduced to the blessing that comes to the one who, the text says, delights in the law of the Lord. This person is held in contrast to the one who obviously does not delight in the law of the Lord. The former will prosper, the, later, the latter rather will perish. The former bears fruit, the latter has nothing to show. And, and if we're honest about this text, there's a certain harshness that comes with this sort of uh, this dualism, this, this splitting up of the righteous and the unrighteous. And, and for many of us, when we hear this text, if you're like me, you, you become a little bit suspicious about the language of this text, the way the psalmist sort of draws camps, because I don't know about you, but I find myself sometimes delighting in the law of the Lord and other times doing the exact opposite. That's a sermon for another day. But for now, I'd like for us to pay special attention to verse 3, as those who delight in the law of the Lord are compared to trees planted by 
streams of living water. And I wonder if we can expand the image here. We come to this text and it's actually at the beginning, the psalmist says, happy is the one, talking about an individual. But I wonder in our own imagination if we could expand this image, this tree to represent not just one person, but, but a group of people. Could it be that this tree is a symbol of the mother church? Of who the church ought to be in and for the world. She stands firmly rooted in the way of God. She stands firmly rooted in the word of God. She stands firmly rooted in the hope of God. She is, as Calvin once said, moistened by grace as streams of living water, as that grace and that love and that mercy comes upon us and roots us and nourishes us so that what, does the writer say, so that what happens the writer says, so that we, this mother church, this tree, can bear fruit. Not that it just looks pretty. Not that it, it's just adorned with beauty and majesty. But that it would be useful in the world. That it would, in fact, bear fruit. And so on a day like today, when we think of ourselves as this tree as this mother church planted by streams of living water, let us remember that we are called as this tree to bear fruit for all children, for all children, all who hunger for joy and celebration and giving thanks for their mothers. We bear fruit that supports that joy, that supports that energy, that supports that gratitude. But also on a day like today, we bear the kind of fruit that brings comfort to those who mourn that brings fruit to those who grieve, to those who carry a heavy burden on this day. For this tree, this mother church, is called to bear fruit in season and out of season. This tree is called to bear fruit for all of God's children, those in joy and those in times of trial. Our friends uh, John and Rachel have been married for 12 years. They live just outside of Philadelphia. Uh, in the second year of their marriage, they were both a few years shy of 30. Rachel was diagnosed with breast cancer. Her oncologist recommended a, a particular course of action and treatment that included the drug tamoxifen. And they thought, uh, prior to this diagnosis, they thought about expanding their family but with Rachel's diagnosis and the subsequent treatment, starting a family at that time was completely out of the question. The, the best medical advice at that particular time was that a woman, after going through her treatment and being on tamoxifen, she'd have to wait for five years in order to become pregnant. Obviously, this was difficult news to receive as both of them felt called to parenthood. Rachel's health, obviously, was, was the most important thing and so her treatments began, and uh, all things considered, she saw immediate results, and the cancer was in remission. Now they had this five-year waiting period in front of them. And during that time, their church was excellent. Their church surrounded them. They prayed with them. They cried with them. They, they tried to discern God's will together. They gave space to them to ask the hard questions of faith and of life. And this church, in their moment of trial, bore fruit that they were hungry for, 
that they desired that nourished them in their waiting. As those five years were coming to an end, they started to get more and more excited as each month turned and as the calendar continued to roll on, they saw a target date and then all of a sudden they got word that a medical journal had just produced a study saying that, that if you are on tamoxifen, it's not five years that you ought to wait, but 10 years, 10 years. It was devastating. But that church, like a mother, like a tree planted by streams of living water, continued to bear fruit for them, continued to nurture them in these dark days, and through prayer and discernment with many in their church. John and Rachel felt God's call to begin the process of IVF with the hopes that one day they could find a surrogate to bear their biological children in the world. And this process took multiple years. It included more grief and more lament and more anguish, which required this excellent church to produce more fruit. And it came to pass that they met a woman who had been a surrogate before and a mother to three biological children of her own. Katie and I met her. She is a godly woman someone who feels called to bring life into the world where at one time it seemed impossible. And the process went forward. The surrogate became pregnant with John and Rachel's children, a boy and a girl. Beautiful Henry and Lena were born seven months ago. And back in March, our family was in Philadelphia as we participated in their baptisms like we did today as this excellent church gave witness to the power of God. And their presence was like a, like a sweet nectar of God's joy and God's blessing in this moment. What stood out to me was how much this church looked like a tree planted by streams of living water. And as those babies were baptized, I saw all of the people who had brought fruit into this young couple's lives and were continuing to promise the way we did this morning at this font, to promise that we would bring more fruit into the lives of these little ones. In the company of that excellent congregation was the surrogate and her husband and their children. It was the mother church at her best, a tree planted by streams of living water, bearing fruit in so many different ways, in times of joy and in times of sorrow. Friends, that's what we do as a church. We don't just bear fruit in the times of joy. We bear fruit when people are hungering the most, who long to know that God is real, who long to know that God loves them and is with them and for them in this broken world. We're called together to be like these trees, planted, nourished, moistened by the grace of God that flows freely in these streams of living water so that we may bear fruit to the world a world that is so very hungry for God, hungry to be included, hungry for redemption, wholeness, and healing. Church, may we be this tree. May we be like the mother church, delight in the law of the Lord and continue to bear fruit to this hungry city and this hungry world. May it be so in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen.
us pray. Oh God, we ask that you would receive these gifts and they, that they may bring life to this world like an ever-flowing stream. We pray this in the name of Christ, our provider. Amen. And by the grace of God, may we bear fruit in season and out of season, and may we be for all of God's children a source of nourishment and refreshment and new life. And may the peace of God, which goes beyond all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. May His peace live inside of you this day and every day ahead. Amen. Amen.